Hey guys, how's it going? Not bad. You know, hanging in there. Yeah, good weekend. Uh, gorgeous. Uh, nice on Saturday. Ooh, uh, not a little here. rainy today, but yeah, not. Yeah, it was. Cincinnati was cold you're... and wet all weekend. Ah, yeah, it was. It was nice. The weather was pretty good. Was able to get some leaves up, and when it got a little colder, we watched Home Alone. So our daughter got to see Home Alone for the first time. She thought that was pretty cool. It was pretty nice. Yeah, we found a Turbo today. I, I don't know if you've seen that, the Ryan Reynolds Turbo Turbo Snail. It's interesting. Yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, it's no Pixar, but it's a pretty good yeah. animated movie. My kids yeah. are obsessed with Hometown. Um, they would prefer to watch HGT with my wife than just about anything else. So, um, But we did have game night tonight. That was kind of cool, you know? I, I, nice. I got to avoid the Minnesota Vikings collapse. Oh, uh, the Broncos won. That, that was pretty cool. Yeah, good on you, Be- man. Congrats. Beat Tua. Yeah. That, that was pretty sweet. Yeah, guys, that's pretty... let, let's let's stop kidding ourselves. Holy shit! <laughs> let's go! Let's go, people! Let's let's, let's effing go! Let's effing go! Let's Woo! do it! Hey there, we're the Westlaw Pirates, and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports, with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above. As we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Reese Davis. I'm Reese Davis. And I'm Reese Scuzz Davis. <laughs> wow. Oh my god. We are god, just a guys. bunch of Reese Davises running around podcasting. Absolutely. Uh, People, most of that was lies. After Saturday night, none of us know what happened the rest of this weekend. <laughs> it's true. We were passed out, incoherent, whatever. Yeah. yeah um this, wow this was huge this was huge i like i know we wanted to hit this off the top so i'll just jump in and take it um i tweeted this last night but this this game was big for reasons um that are very different from big wins in the past you look at the 2011 upset in lincoln of nebraska who at the time i think was rated ninth or tenth based yeah, on ninth i think yeah yeah uh, which ranking system you used you go back to 2009 against iowa the 2014 game at Notre Dame. All these were really huge, massive upsets by Northwestern. But Northwestern came into those games unranked with four to five losses and on nobody's radar. This is the first time that I can recall since, I mean, dare I say it, 2000, that the Cats had a primetime game, a number next to their name, and they made a statement in a spotlight. Holy hell. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely right. I mean, the instant classic, it's a, it's a, it's a good reference point. Um, of course, I mean, as legendary as that game was, that team had a couple of losses. And I think if you rewind even earlier in that season, right, the, the uh, Wisconsin miracle of that season, when they were, I think, what, fifth, sixth, seventh? Sixth, yeah. You know, Michael Bennett, um, everything. But we had already been rolled by TCU uh, in that season. Um it's just different, like Scuzz said. I, mean, I think the the you know the reference points are are truly few. Um, that I mean the the game day week against Ohio yeah, State. Yeah, I, I was just gonna say that week. Like Kane Coulter gets the first down that he got, and this is that could be on the level of what we're talking about here. I I, I think it's maybe bigger. If like okay. just given that is Ohio State and all the you know all the shenanigans that go with that and how few times we've beaten them like this is you know I guess in in this case we benefited versus 
I, I guess the, the, the other, the other team I can come up with multiple times where we've been in this situation is Michigan, right? We've got a two thirty game against Michigan or a 7 PM game against Michigan. You think about that 2015 team, right? That, um, that was one, you know, they had the lead up until the last like 12 seconds and, um, the moon game. And, um, there's another one when Damian Proby was our, was our middle linebacker. And, and it was, you know, we wore the, the, the bloody flag uniforms, like, like all those cases were, were times where Northwestern came in with, you know, a, a pretty good record and maybe a ranking in the twenties and an opportunity to, to make a statement and, and just, and just couldn't do it. In this case, I guess we benefited from the fact that that we were playing against Wisconsin, a team that we have been, you know, in the thick of it. We we said ahead of time this was going to be a rock fight in the mud. It was exactly that. Um, but it's a team we know super well. We're built to beat them. We're built to play with them, and we were we demonstrated that in spades. And you know they were missing their two top wide receivers. Okay, that that happened. We did we get a few calls our way early. Sure, but. That I don't think I I don't know that that makes a difference. Uh, Mertz was good at the start and then completely fell apart. Like he was garbage after the, middle of the second quarter. The officiating was less like lopsided than it was when we played Iowa two weeks ago, and we still won that game. So and shut up, Wisconsin. It, it wasn't near like it wasn't nearly as um, impactful as say Purdue Minnesota the night before. Yeah, it was not like on a game tying drive um, that that the officials uh, made some mistakes. It was generally at the beginning of the game. I mean, it, it's also. I mean, so we should say right for those of you who don't know, we kind of sent up the bat signal prior to this pod and say, "Hey, what do people want to talk about?" And um, you know, you had like one Wisconsin fan who found his way into the the comments just to be like the officiating and, you know, and other people who were Northwestern people who were like, yeah, talk about this BS about the officiating that Wisconsin fans are going on. And we also had people in our comments kind of come to our defense on this. And look, Sam and Scuzz are right. Early on, on that first drive, um, there were those two pass interferences against rain, okay? The most egregious one, though, was the one that happened on a first down. So that was a first down, and then we got another first down off of that play. The second one, um, like, okay, you have a gripe if you're Wisconsin, but it could have gone either way, okay? And this narrative that Wisconsin didn't get the breaks in a game where we fumbled into the end zone, and had we not, we would have spent almost this entire game with a seven point or more lead in a game where Wisconsin scored seven points and didn't at any point look like they were going to get more. That's the thing about this one, the the kind of the narrative of this game, like you said, Sammy, um, Mertz's numbers are not great. But when you factor in the way he started the game, they're really not great. Um, and I, you know, it, it's one of those things where is did our offense have difficulty? Yes. Did we have to work like crazy to earn all seventeen of our points? Yes, we sure did. But on the yeah, flip yeah, side, yeah, but like Wisconsin's damn lucky they didn't lose this game by twenty instead of oh, ten. Wisconsin oh, I mean, took a grand total of zero offensive snaps in our red zone. Right, all I game. Mean, and, and that was the crazy thing at this. I mean, right around the time. Uh, 
Cam Ruiz was lying on top of Mertz in the fourth quarter, the game reached a kind of place where, um, you know, I feel like I'm taking a bill, a, a page from the Bill Simmons playbook here, but if you've seen rounders, there's the whole end scene where Teddy KGB is playing this super high tension, high stakes card game, right? Um, it's him against the Russian with all the stakes on the line. And then you realize at the end that not only is he going to win, he's reached a point where Teddy KGB can't win. And at one point he says, look, Teddy, I can keep busting you up all night. Um, Wisconsin, the the game reached a point where Wisconsin was just not going to score any more points. And their defense is awesome. But Wisconsin had nothing for what honestly might be the best defense in the country. Uh, And that's the Northwestern defense. And once we got that lead for all the craziness and all of our hair pulling when that ball was fumbled into the end zone, and, you know, we'll talk about the running game and and all those things, right? The bottom line is Wisconsin couldn't score points. And they have a young quarterback who was not ready for this defense. And honestly, few people are. Let's let's talk about that young quarterback because um, a lot was made of his start. He was uh, nine of eleven, nine of nine of ten, but then his his eleventh pass wasn't in completion. Those were the first five drives of the game. On drive six and seven, he threw uh, on both of them threw one incomplete pass and one interception. So you know he he he, he tailed off quite a bit. Let me tell you about another quarterback that started nine of eleven against Northwestern this year, Spencer Petrus. <laughs> Uh, he, he didn't have nine completions in a row like uh, Graham Mertz did, but he, you know, threw four four completions, one incomplete, four completions, one incomplete, one more completion before um, dropping off a cliff on his sixth on his uh, fifth drive of the game against the Northwestern defense. Uh, he went three, uh, one of four with three incompletions, and then you know further tailed off from there. But th- like, what this should tell you is that. Mike Hakeman spends the first four to five drives of a game figuring out what the other quarterback is and how to, you know, shut him down. And then he shut down Graham Mertz. This is a dude that people were talking about as a Heisman potential guy at the like out of the gates this year because of what yeah, he did against. Congratulations, Illinois. he went off against Illinois. Bravo, exactly. Good, good and, for well, you, bud. Good and, for you. We watched him against Michigan, and like it was a lot of tight window throws. Um, a will, like he's he's certainly got a lot of gumption when he when he goes running downfield because he takes a lot of hits and oh dude Graham Mertz like you should probably try to take less less hits when you're running upfield, um, but he's like yeah he's good he's accurate he knows the game like he 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 imbues you know confidence in his team out there he, he he's got a good head on his shoulders but um he you know like it's, Joe Montana he is not. Well, and it's like the the I think he's a he's a good quarterback. He's quite possibly a great quarterback. But it's so weird how the psyche um, of public perception around someone is so. I mean, what if Northwestern had been his first game, right? Yeah. Then people would have been like, oh, well, you know, it's like he's he 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 had a real rough start to his career. He was really figuring some things out, but then he's really turned the corner against Illinois and Michigan. You know what I mean? And it's like, no, it was it was the other way around. Those are two awful defenses. Have you been watching Michigan? They're a train wreck defensively. Did you watch Rutgers pile up points against them? 35 regulation points, or was it 42? Yeah. 35 regulation. Michigan is a a tire fire on defense, and Illinois is no better to say the least. 
And he went off against those two teams. Um, and, and Wisconsin did. We all told you that this game, right, like Scuzz said, was going to get pulled right down into the mud. Um, and right, Hankowitz uh, adapted um, and came through. But again, it's like, it's hilarious to talk about this because, um, you know, let me couch this by saying, um, broils for Hank, hashtag broils for Hank. Um, this should be Hankwitz's year to win the Broyles Award. He's the best assistant coach in college football. Um, he's been waiting for this award since Richard Nixon was president. Okay, it's his year. Um, with that said, so, some real if, some real bookends there. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, Th- that said, if you if you're someone who subscribes more to the Jimmys and Joes philosophy of college football, we've got some Jimmys and Joes to talk about. Um, uh, well, me, well, well let's, you know. let's talk about how he corralled Mertz, and that was sp- like, like it was, it was the ability of the defensive line to get to him. And we sacked Mertz three times in this game, right? And and uh, it was a mix of pressure. Um, the you know he knew when to bring additional heat, but for the vast majority of the game, we were getting it done with four. And I think you saw. We've talked about this a little bit, but. It was a mix of, of a, I mean, Leota and Brown. Leota, what can oh, you man. say about this guy? Wow. Lord yeah. have mercy. Another case is... where he just does like, his his contribution is not captured in the score sheet. Three tackles, one sack, one TFL. I mean, he was so much bigger than Wait, that. He, he only had one sack? I thought he had two. They only no, credited he, him with one. Really? He had one. He hit Mertz several okay. times. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Mertz was, I mean, credit to Mertz, but he was running around with a chicken like his head cut off. Um because he was getting flushed from the pocket so much. I mean, Wisconsin, not the least well-regarded offensive line in the country, <laughs> was taken for a, a ride in this game. Well, um, well and it's important we, to, I, like, I, I want to call out, you know, we've talked in the past about the Cheetah package, um, which we ran a lot when we had Dean Lowry on the team. We'd move Lowry inside. Someone's um, been feeding muscle milk to that cheetah <laughs> <laughs> um, well it's it's interesting because the way it the way it came together this past saturday is it was only three down linemen and you had ernest brown moving inside and then um oh did he did he? i hadn't noticed yeah ernest brown moved <laughs> yeah inside. yeah we'll get there um and, and chris bergen on the outside rushing then you had um, on the back end, you had Brandon Joseph playing almost like a third linebacker. He he, he lined up in between Patty Fisher and and Blake Gallagher on one play, like as if he were the middle linebacker was, which was which was amazing. And then we were playing, you know, um, two two safeties behind him. So it's a little bit of a modification on our um, on our on our past cheetah packages, and that we still have three true linebackers on the field. But you've got you've got Bergen in a rushing position. Bergen dropped into coverage a ton. Like the versatility of, with which um, he uses the defense this year is it's it's, it's picture perfect for what Northwestern wants to do. Yeah, and you know when you talk about the interior, the defensive line, we talked about this too. But you know Jake and Joe, who have been doing it so much. Let me just pause for a second. I just want to randomly point out. That there was a play, and I know it wasn't successful, but there was a play we ran out of a shotgun formation where the only back in the backfield was Joe Spivak. I just want to point that out. <laughs> I just I just feel like that deserves deserves some mention. But Jake and Joe, like you said, have been carrying so much water. Um, and here you had Trevor Kent back. Um, talk about a, a great piece, recovered a fumble. Like, welcome back. 
um, a massive presence on the inside in a game where you knew that Wisconsin was going to try to hammer us between the tackles. Um, and that depth really matters. And I think it was it was huge to get that back. But also, you know, the, the play calling, you know, like we've said, with all of this talent, and we haven't even talked about really the linebackers who just, I mean, Blake and Patty went absolutely ballistic in this game. And, and, and Bergen too. I mean, it didn't show necessarily oh, show up in the numbers, but he was everywhere. And and again, and I'm like, I'm separating the secondary here because like they're they're getting a separate moment. A <laughs> yeah, second. they are. <laughs> We're gonna walk to that wing of the mansion in a second. But I just want to mention, I I do just want to mention that, um, you know, talking about Hankwitz and everything. In addition to all of this talent, he just kind of, and this is where I was getting back to that Mike McD Teddy KGB thing. By the fourth quarter of this game, he had just figured it out. And he was like, look, I have the ponies, and they're better than yours. And I figured them out. And that fourth and sixth play um, was, with the jailbreak blitz, was a perfect example. That play was almost like in Madden, when you know the computer's got to throw a Hail Mary, but it's the computer in a video game, so you just jailbreak blitz because you're like, well... They're just running fly routes, and the computer's not going to throw the ball for five seconds, so it's a guaranteed sack. That's what that was. Wisconsin just ran, like, three post or, like, downfield routes. And by the time any of those guys were seven or eight down, yards down the field, Mertz was on the floor. Um, it was just one of those things where Hankwitz was like, I can see where this is going, and enough of this. You're, you're just going down. And it was so, I mean, just... An absolute masterclass, but yes, um, I'll, I'll pivot. Um, you know, Scuzz, do you want to do you want to take us into to D back D back land? Well, I want to start right where you left off, and it's that fourth and six, and it's Cam Ruiz. And yes. I like it's funny because we we saw that last night. You know, we talked about how good the secondary was a bit on Twitter. I mean, you know, Newsom, um, Brandon oh my Joseph, God. like that, like. These guys are so effing good. So I mean, effing I, good. Um, mi- minimum two first-team All-Big Ten players in in our secondary right now. Minimum. But that, like, watching that Ruiz sack in my head, like, and then I saw you tweet about it, John, and we we had not talked at all. But it was it was it was like watching him slice through Notre Dame's special teams to block that punt in Evanston mm-hmm. two years ago, and it was. I, I mean, it's a thing of beauty, and and like you just think about the straight line speed and what is. I mean, to your to your point earlier, like Mertz didn't have a chance on that play when 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 Ruiz was unblocked. Right. Yeah. No. And I mean, it was the the athleticism there, but then Newsom. I mean, it's one of the most hilarious things ever is Greg Newsom getting an interception in this game, and I feel like all of Northwestern Nation was like. I, like, if you would have been like, yeah, that was his seventh interception, I would have been like, yeah, that seems about right. I haven't counted, but <laughs> seven, eight, thereabouts. Well, no, that was his first. Welcome to the pick um, club, Greg Newsom. Yeah. Um, now, if you allowed someone to trade in every six or seven pass breakups for a pick, he'd have like 10. Um, he's He is the Big Ten's lockdown corner He's right so now. good. He's so amazing. We've been to, I mean, he, like, for those who were not with us, at the at like going into the 2018 season, John yep. said, "This is the guy to watch. This is the X factor." Like on our preview podcast, you can go download and listen. To, like, like Greg Newsom is the guy to watch because if if he plays the way we think he can play, he elevates our defense to to 
like a whole nother tier and it's been true for three seasons and 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 his right. his well, health has been a has been a concern beyond well, that when he's on the field he is electric right and last season very quietly he was the second best returning to this season cover corner in the big 10 if you look at the stats and that's missing several games our goal was to get that guy for a full slate of games this season. Well, we didn't get that guy. We got some sort of evolution of that guy. A Pokemon evolution where he is now a <laughs> higher level of creature. Um, and has is just... It's, it's ludicrous. Um, and, you know... You've got J.R. Pace. So before before we move off <laughs> Newsom, though, we like we just we got like the toe drag. Like my God! Oh, oh my God! Yes, it was the second prettiest um, catch of the night after after the touchdown that uh, RCB caught. That RCB caught. Yeah. yeah, that toe drag swag. We list, lifted that from a listener. I think Kiara. Kiara Joseph. Name. I think yeah. Kiara Joseph uh, had a tweet, toe drag swag. And that is, this team is about some toe drag swag, uh, mostly RCB, but yeah. Um, he mentioned it. We, we should, the, it's, it's pretty hilarious because if you go by the amount of response we had to, what do you want us to talk about in, in this pod? A lot of you must be thinking that we're burying the lead, having not talked about towels to this point, um, <laughs> in, in the pod at this point. But I, I don't know what you want us to do here, honestly. Everyone's like, talk about, you know, evaluate J.R. Pace's towel pilfering technique. And it's like, like, why would you assume we're qualified to do that? Would you ask us to evaluate Leonardo da Vinci's brush technique? Um, would you like ask us to evaluate Raphael's chisel choice? Uh, how are we to evaluate the genius of another person? Some I things think, are some things are just left unexplained. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna dare to dream and just say like the only thing like the fir- the first steal was was impeccable. The second was um he could be more he could be more surreptitious. Uh, he, I, he went back a little aggressively and like with a lot of motion. It was pretty obvious what he was. Doing. How dare you? How <laughs> dare you? Who are we? Who are we, guys? <laughs> no, um, but I mean, and it was and and. It, it's kind of funny because, you know, Pace had himself a, a relatively speaking quiet night. I mean, what do you like, want? D- d- like he didn't he didn't make a wrong move all night. Like what do you want? But like, but I feel like he made a lot more than three tackles, don't you? I yeah. mean, I guess no, I guess it's because there were yeah. a lot of incomplete passes. Yeah, and but I, I, mean, I thought like, he had more than one pass breakup too. Right. I mean, it, it's it with Leota, and I mean, again, I'm not shorting Brown because Brown was a unstoppable terrifying force especially in the interior of the cheetah package in this game he ragdolled wisconsin's <laughs> wisconsin's guard um <laughs> but leota is a dominant end right now um of the pure pass rushing mold and when you factor that in this defense doesn't really have a weakness right now yeah um it 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 really doesn't. Um, there's nothing this defense does poorly. And we're so used to years and years and years of these units are awesome. And if we just could plug this hole, you know, and it's like we just had a little bit more cornerback depth or we just had an end who was a pure get to the quarterback type, right? Or this or that. And it's like 
you know, folks, we have all of that right now. That's why this is maybe the best defense in the country. Um, it's us in Wisconsin. Um, and, you know, to the victor go the spoils in this case. But, I mean, go look at the stats. It's the only other teams remotely at this level um, are Iowa, who you've seen, um, and a bunch of small conference schools. So I, I, th- this I, I, is Cincinnati, like just putting on my objective hat, Cincinnati's defense is, is, is quite legitimate. Sure. They have not again, played to the level of competition though. So, right. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, and, that's the thing. That's just, that's and, probably as close as you're getting. And let's give credit where credit is due. I mean, Wisconsin's defense, I believe is number one in S and P plus. Is that right? Yeah. And, and that's the thing too, cause we've, I mean, it's, it's, probably a, a good pivot point right to 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 maybe move over here but Wisconsin's defense is it's incredible it's everything we thought that it would be um and I think it's funny but you know you talk about like things things we had problems with things we did well well I mean we you know we can go on a long syllabus here about Northwestern's running backs and the running game and we will and we'll talk about all of those things but Anything you saw in the previous games doesn't have any bearing in this game. Like, we tried to run two Kyrick McGowan jet sweeps, and it went for zero yards both times. (laughs) Like, Wisconsin's the best sideline-to-sideline linebacker core in the country. They're the best blitz-pass-rush team in the country. And if you look in your— See, they are, but— they got well, one, they got one sack against that horrible oh, Michigan team, and then they got oh, one no. sack against us. And we talked about but, it last week. Like they're not a team. Like they're a team mm, that pressures you and that can scheme yeah, pressure effectively. Oh, no, like, that's, really effectively. And that's the that's the thing. They don't have to get sacks, and that's where if you want to look at the difference, right? Because they only carried four sacks into this game, and they only sacked Ramsey once. But what's the difference? No quarterback had completed more than nine passes in a game against Wisconsin before this game. <laughs> and that's because Wisconsin don't have to get to you if you are easily rattled and your line is not holding up against their pressure because you're just going to feed it to them. I- and that's what happened in the first two games. Um, and I think, you know, you can look at this game and, and really what was a truly heroic offensive performance across the board here. Um, and you look at the level of difficulty um, and what Ramsey had to deal with. Ramsey had a couple of plays in this game that were not game-changing plays, but I- I'm just thinking of the play to Evan Hall, that six-yard yeah. dump pass, where you're like, that. how is that not a sack? There's, like, there's no way other than nothing that can be taught that allowed him to complete that play. Um, and he is just a smooth operator. But, and, and what that is, that's five years of Big Ten experience. He's been there. He's not, you know, he's not rattled by it. And like it showed the entire game, he was as cool as a cucumber under that pressure. He was making stuff out of nothing, and right. he only went down once. When exactly. You, and you've got to give a lot of credit to the O line and the running oh, backs yes. because the blitz pickups were impeccable. Absolutely, and I think the you're, you're, it's a great point about the running backs. The line, though, as a whole, the line was so good in this game. And 
first of all, factor in the fact, I mean, we only attempted 23 carries. And yes, we did absolutely nothing on the ground in this game. I don't think there was ever any illusion that we were going to. I, that, was, that, we... was, that was window dressing, to keep them honest, frankly. Ex- ex- exactly. I mean, the, um, the first drive was pass, 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 right. pass, pass, pass down the and field. And we, we, we had a line, we had a, a drive. Um, it, was, it was when we kicked our field goal to go up by two scores. Nine plays. Started with 13 minutes and 54 seconds remaining in the fourth quarter. The fourth quarter. And we threw nine passes on that drive. Not a single running play was called. Right. And if that's, if that's not lot... a difference from the from Northwestern of the past on offense, I don't know what is. Right. And so, first of all, the line as a whole was amazing at pass pro. And, I, I, like, I can't stress this enough, right if you juxtapose this team with, say, Iowa, who has a very solid, if not pass rush oriented defensive line, right? And we talked about that before and after the Iowa game, right? They have maybe a first team all Big Ten defensive tackle right now, and they also have Chauncey Golston at defensive end, right? Um, Wisconsin is completely different. Wisconsin has Jack Sanborn and friends in the linebacker core, and they just, Jim Leonard mixes it up so much in terms of how they're going to try to get to you. The amount of stunts, the amount of times those linebackers are going to crisscross, how many are coming on every play. They'll pull all four of them up to level with the line of scrimmage and make you guess who's coming. The degree of difficulty mentally for an offensive line to deal with all that is so high, and they dealt with it more than enough for a quarterback as seasoned as Ramsey to make our offense go just enough. And remember, 17 points, missed field goal, fumble into the end zone. Like Scud said off the top, we could have scored more. Here's the real kicker, though, in this one. And a lot of you probably didn't even notice it. Um, And I give credit Alvin Mack, one of our Twitter followers, who, you know, comes out, first of all, we love the name, big, you know, if you played high school football in the mid to late 90s and you weren't a fan of the program, I don't know what. So anyone whose Twitter feed is Alvin Mack. But um, the he mentioned this in a tweet, and I had noticed it during the game kind of subconsciously because I'd seen him celebrating on an RCB touchdown catch. And then I was like, wait a minute, that's right. And I went back and looked. Charlie Schmidt played almost the entire game at right guard. Ethan Wiedeker got hurt early in this game. I don't know if it's on the fumble into the end zone play. Um, I suspect it is, but it's either on that play or immediately after that play. So imagine you're Charlie Schmidt. How many starts do you have in your career? Zero. What's your most meaningful playing time to this point? The fourth quarter of the Maryland game, where, granted, you were mauling people. But now it's like, oh, you know what we're going to need you to do? Go up against the best, arguably, the best pass-rushing defensive coordinator in the country. And four athletic linebackers who are going to stunt and try to get to you all day. We're going to need you to hold up against that for three and a half quarters. And honestly, he didn't do amazing. Um, They, like, Leonard went at him immediately. Like, Leonard knew and was like, that's the weak spot. I'm going to try to get it and threw everything there. He threw a cornerback through that hole. He threw everything. And Schmidt, I mean, you're talking, he got a B, B minus on his test. Um, Expectation was C minus, okay? Like, B's get degrees, baby. B's get degrees. Oh, yeah, amen. 
Um, it's let, let me let me tell you about intro to macro at Northwestern. Okay? <laughs> um, but the um, so I mean, unbelievable, right? So you're talking about an offensive line that knows that this is arguably their toughest job of the whole year. They lose a senior starter early on, have to replace him with you know a sophomore with almost you know no meaningful playing time, and they made it work. And like you said, the backs really chipped in. Um, and it was a, a masterful performance. Again, it's again the degree of difficulty in this situation was so high. And you know, you have Ramsey. You factor in like he's making tough throws. The wideouts are making tough catches. They're also dropping a couple of tough passes. Um, it was just like that was the way this game was going to be, and it required to get this amount of points required a Herculean effort. And uh, the line put it together, and it made the rest of the offense go. There's a, there's a second point I want to make that kind of like dovetails off of Wisconsin's approach to, to attacking and, and putting on pressure, and that's that like you never know which of those linebackers is coming. You never know which of the ones are which of them are dropping into coverage. They're gonna switch and swap and float in and out, and it's really confusing. And our O line and running backs did a great job of picking up blitzes where they could. Ramsey did a fantastic job of, of just being heady back there at like, frankly, all times. Um, I thought it was smart that he didn't run as often as, as um, he has in, in past games. But when you saw him throwing the ball, it was, it was, he threw a lot to the middle of the field directly behind those linebackers, meaning he was diagnosing in the moment, oh, this guy's coming from here. This means this spot is open, and I've got John Rain or Kyrick McGowan uh, headed to that spot. I mean, so many times that he threw, I don't know, in between the hashes, but I'll say in between the numbers, certainly, um, space that would often be defended by linebackers that were that had either uh, attacked Northwestern or gone in other directions, and just a really, really phenomenal job by Peyton Ramsey's brain. Yeah, and a couple other things too. Um, Kyrick continues to be the Swiss Army knife, mm-hmm. and it's it's a classic credit to to Coach Jake, who we haven't really talked about too much to this point, uh, other than just throwing all day. Just wait, but, but it, yeah, <laughs> in under but in understanding and his ability to be flexible and McGowan and like Scuzz has said all year, like you can call him our number one back, but. Probably the best way to refer to him is like, you know, the impact player, the pivot point player, your Swiss Army knife guy that makes everything else go. Um, and I think the you can just look at that and be like, look, here was a game where he had two carries and for zero yards, both on jet sweeps, really to test the water and just to be like, yeah, that ain't working. Um, and the rest of it, he was effectively a, a full time wide receiver. Uh, against other teams on our schedule this year, you're going to see him going right back to that much more dynamic look. And I think it, it shows that kind of flexibility. It shows the way to use him. Um, but also at this point, like we all need to step back and realize that at worst right now, RCB is second team all Big Ten as a receiver. <laughs> oh my goodness, he's not going to. He's not going to get it though. That's the like. That's the. That's the shitty part is that the like the media the coaches there no there's no way that they're going to recognize it yeah i mean maybe i mean whatever keep keep the boys hungry but if you talk about difficult catches you talk about everything um and talk about a guy who's been through the fire um you know we were you know we were joking online um because jb butler called this game um 
uh, former Northwestern lineman, you know, he had called earlier in the game after a rant about the state of Wisconsin. He had called that Northwestern was going to win by 10 points, which is exactly what happened. And we were joking that, um, you know, he, he's he's got a flair for these kind of moments, as shown with his unbelievable acting job in the in the Holiday Bowl on the Trey Clock touchdown pass. <laughs> um, but I only bring that up because I went back and watched that highlight because we were joking about it. And we tweeted it out. You know who grabs Trey Clock on that play to celebrate with him? RCB. RCB's been through the fire. He has been around forever, um, and he's been in all these meaningful games. And he's so battle-tested. Um, he's got ice water through his veins. He's got that, you know, the toe-drag swag, the great hands, the size. And he's just the guy right now. And um, I think, you know, we knew McGowan was going to be that thing. Um, and he is exactly what we thought he would be in this offense. But the emergence of RCB is 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 just amazing. And I think you're right. I mean, he might... Strictly because of volume, I don't know. Maybe he gets screwed out of it. But there's a clear number one pure wideout on this team who can do deep routes and has got a quarterback who can throw touch passes to him to beat the band. And, you know, we can eat with that guy all day. You mentioned the toe drag swag, John, but that that touchdown catch, holy moly. Um, I know. I, like, it was it was so good to, to see that happen and the way he, he caught that pass and contorted his body. Um, let us not forget, and, and you, you said, you mentioned Bajakian's name earlier. Let us not forget the awesome baller reverse wide receiver yes. throw from Riley Lees that should have been a touchdown. I, I, I am in no way blaming RCB here. I thought he did a really good job. He had to turn around, um, and, and catch that ball kind of going backwards. Like him stepping on the line is what it is. Like Northwestern should have scored a touchdown off that, right? We should have been up 14 zip. But again, RCB in the spot in a huge play, wide effing open. Um, the dude, like, he's he's not a burner. He's not six foot four, um, but he works his ass off and he knows his routes and he's he's the heart of this team in many ways, just like from the outside looking in, like his, his personality is huge. He's involved in so much. Um, you just love the, the, the attitude and, and what we're seeing, like his, him getting the opportunity to, to perform like this. Like I just pulled up the stats and, and I know that this is not a comment on him and it's much more about the offense and the scheme, et cetera. But last year he had 17 catches for 188 yards. I was down from 2018 he has exceeded both of those years already in only five games in 2020, and it's it's so awesome to see it. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, just and the the way he's like taking the wide receiving core just on his back and just really turned into a leader is phenomenal. I I love that, and you know, I'm so happy for the kid. I mean, it's really really cool to see. We would be remiss if we didn't talk about the running game. Um, mm. It 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 wasn't there. It just, I mean, I, I don't know what else we can say. It wasn't there. And the fact that we didn't try to force it when it wasn't there speaks volumes to Coach Jake versus the running backs coach for Iowa State right now, who probably would have tried to force the running game when it wasn't there. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's it's kind of hard to, like, incur McCall's name and also not recognize that Ohio, Iowa State has a running back that is, like, on the long list for Heisman right now, but... But here, here, like, like I mentioned the the drive in the fourth quarter already. 
the opening drive was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight plays, and one of them was a run, and it was because it was first and goal from the two. Um, I, I mean, like, like he, he, I've said this in the past, you know, regarding like McCall seemed to have this thing for Michigan State. It's ironic they're our next opponent, but going into those games, it was almost like Northwestern was like, all right, we ain't going to be able to run the ball. We better do something else. And and our collective reaction was always, why don't we do that every game? Um, and against Wisconsin, it seemed to be like like the running was the window dressing. Um, I think we have concerns about the running game going forward, and particularly the running backs who, you know, Bowser seems banged up. You had the fumble, which was problematic for so and, many reasons. But which, and we, like, I don't think we saw Bowser after the fumble. Either. No, no, we didn't. Um but but I like I, I don't I don't know I don't know how like you can't learn too much looking at this game because it was a de-emphasized component of the game plan because of who the defense we were playing was and their prowess against the run I just like I, you know I don't want to punt well, it too totally, much but what can you say Well it's so right on one hand Wisconsin's such an outlier I mean like again Two best defenses in the country right here. Like it's like you can't you can't undersell that. It's one of those things that like defensively it's like like you're at the top of Mount Everest. Don't be looking around for like another hill to climb. No, this is it. Like it's okay to sit and enjoy the view of how good this defense is right now. Um but we were playing, you know, the the other one. And so on one hand it's that and you can't read anything into this from a from a run perspective. On the other hand, so one I would not make the mistake of assuming that you not seeing Bowser for the rest of that game was punishment for a fumble. Not at all. I don't think I think, I I think, think he's, he's hurt. I think it's and it's genuine right. It's genuine worry that he would give the ball up again. And that worry stems from him being hurt. Um remember like the injury we know about to the degree we know anything is supposedly an upper body injury. Um and all we know is he is banged up. He is just, you know, a mess right now. He, he doesn't funny. look like himself. Well, and that's that's the thing, right? And and it's funny. This is going to seem like a weird juxtaposition, but Friday night watching Rondell Moore um, against Purdue, who on one hand put up some really solid numbers, but on the other hand, you can see even a guy like that, he was dying out there. Wow. And you'd be like, oh. They they, they, like, they forced the ball to him in and Minnesota knew they were going to force the ball to him too. Well, like I think well I think that, that was too. a little bit of a strategic mistake. But but your point stands that that right. Well well and he's I, Bowser's just not him himself going, right now. Right and like you see him going on, but I mean like with more you saw him going on the field and then he would have to come off for several plays and then be coming back on. You'd be like, look, this guy's a phenomenal athlete, but he's also like you know like there's a reason why he had to sit out for so long and he's still dealing with it. And in Bowser's case, like, he's a tough kid. He's a tough SOB, and he knows we are thin at running back right now. And he's trying to go out there and give it his all, and he's just on a bum wheel right now, big time. And it's to the point where, like, the, the, the running backs, you know, coaches, like, they're almost like, look, you know, you, you got to step back here. Um, you know, Louis Ianni has he's got to be going, look, like, okay, like, we're, we're calling this right now, like, you know, it's it's got to come back. And we saw a lot of Cam Porter, and that's good. And and to Scuzz's point, like, you can't read nothing out of Cam Porter's performance in this game. You know what? We saw him against Maryland. He looked great. 
Um, Maryland's horrible on defense. They're the worst defense in the conference right now, as we said they would be. Wisconsin's the best other than us. So where's Cam Porter? Somewhere in the middle, right? <laughs> um, and we're gonna find we're gonna find that out. Um, well, and, and not and not I, having Jesse Brown in this game, who we've talked yes. about before, is is the best comp for Bowser in terms of a guy who can run through contact. Um, not having Brown, because I think he's out with a wrist injury, was mm-hmm. was certainly a blow. Um, you know, you would have seen him more. I I also want to point out like that that fumble. Like we can't. We also can't look at that fumble that Bowser had and assume that that was an injury because, like, it it looked like the ball never really made it cleanly into his hands. And, and yeah, and- I kind of, again, I I'm kind of taking liberties on that. I kind of have this view, like, and because we sort of talked about it last week, right? Where you know there was that play late in the game where there was just just gaping hole to the outside, and and instead he almost kind of made the choice to go right into Lorenzo Neal. And I think when, when you've got someone who I think is really compensating for the fact that he is hurt, you know, I, and again, I, this is, again, maybe, maybe I'm going a bridge too far here, but in my mind, I'm like, you, you know, it could be that he is really hurt and really gritting his teeth and playing through it. And, you know, who knows how that affects you mentally and affects the, you know, the, the little things, right? Um, that because your to your points, guys, right? Like it was an exchange thing, and part of me wonders. I'm like, look, you know, if he is just gritting through the pain on every play, you know, what is that doing to him? Um, so, you, you know, for people though who are like, this is more of the same, and if you subscribe to that and the fourth quarter stuff and the stuff we've been talking about, and you're trying to wrap your head around it, one big thing that I would say, right, is um, Drake. So Drake is this really interesting animal when it comes to the running back position because um you play a wisconsin you play an iowa right um and it kind of you, like there's not a lot you can get out of him um the, it's the just physicality is right is the physicality level. it kind of takes him out of it on the other hand you saw this guy have himself a day against maryland and make a play where we were all like er! And we were all like, "Whoa, Nelly!" Right? Um, <laughs> you saw you saw the play against uh, Nebraska, Nebraska, right? Um, and yeah, like you know, things happened after that. But again, like I feel like, and again, like please, given the way Illinois thrashed them, permit me to beat this dead horse again. If Peyton Ramsey had been able to hit the broadside of the barn in the first half of that game. Uh, we win that game going away. And I feel comfortable saying that about Ramsey because since then he has been lights out. And it was just some weird tick that he solved at the halftime of that game. Um, But if you'd gotten the guy we've seen in every quarter since then, um, we would have dusted Nebraska in that game. And that would have potentially opened up, like we would have had more variety and would open things up for Drake. It's all a way of saying, like, just understand that pre- furiously knocking wood big 10 championship game um of all the teams where he is neutralized we only have one of those teams left on our schedule the team we play next week the two teams after that you get full use of drake anderson back you get to bring that ferrari right back out of the garage because those are teams that give you the second level um where he does his best work and a cam porter like for all you know again he may be able to do the exact same things um 
One thing I did want to mention, though, um, only because it, it bears mentioning, and I think a lot of you maybe are not aware of this, but it is something. Um, and I think Bajakian's probably been content to work around it, um, but it does kind of have me curious, only given the fact that the real thunder of our running approach is seriously depleted right now, um, is if you look at Purdue, and you look at what Purdue has done, you know, post Rondell Moore, or you know, in all the time they haven't had Rondell Moore, they've given it to a six three, two hundred and what twenty, two hundred twenty five pound converted linebacker at running back, Xander Horvath, and they've just thrown his power into the line to the best of the extent that they can do. Well, we have that guy on our roster right now. He's a true freshman. His name's Colin Coleman, and the easiest way to describe Colin Coleman is. Colin Coleman is Xander Horvath, except if Xander Horvath had Alabama, Michigan, etc. offers coming out of high school. Colin Coleman is a kid who is from a kind of tiny place in New York um, where he was this massive athletic like marvel. And they basically ran the offense and the defense through him. Um, and he was a quote unquote athlete. But you can look at interviews where when he was recruiting, half the schools that were recruiting him offered him a running back. The other half offered him at linebacker, which is what he is at Northwestern, an outside linebacker. But you can look at interviews with him in high school where he's like, I will play whatever anyone wants me to play, but I kind of feel like my natural fit is on offense. So there is that part of me that is like, well, we have that massive dude. If you're looking for a guy behind these hog mollies, to just smash into the line. We do have that massive guy. And I do have that little bit of curiosity in my head to wonder if that's been considered, um, especially as, you know, the injuries have started to mount up for this for this running back core. But again, um, we're going to pivot to Michigan State in a little bit. I have full confidence that we'll be, you know, that, that Jake will have the plan to deal with them. And then beyond that point, the backs that we have in the stable are going to be more than enough to, to carry us the rest of the way. Yeah, it's, it is interesting thinking about Coleman, and and, I, and just the one thing I would I would tack on there is you look at what Bajakian had at Boston College. In um, I'm blanking on the name now, but like he had a massive dude at running back at, at Boston College, and he just used that. Two, he had two massive dudes. Yeah, yeah, and he and he just used them as bludgeons um, to force the defense to come up, and then he would throw over the top. I mean, that's that was his his mo last year at Boston College, and you know who who knows what what Coleman has practiced like where his health is at. Like honestly, our linebacker core, I mean, I, I don't know that I would say that position is super deep beyond. Um, it's, like, it's curious. It, it, I, I it's actually not like the thought about that, right? I, I actually thought about that and I was like, Oh man, I, we have so much to talk about to go down that wormhole. <laughs> <laughs> but regardless, like it is, it is interesting. And I think, um, you know, if Brown is out, if Bowser's still dinged up, like I, and, and, and I don't know if we're ready to pivot to Michigan state yet. I'll just, I'll sit this here. Maybe we come back to it later, but much like Wisconsin is not the place that you bring a, a vehicle like that out of the garage. It's probably Michigan state is probably also not the place that you do that. Right. So I, I, I do, I do want to start thinking ahead, but you know, before we do close the book on, on uh, Wisconsin, let's talk about the bigger picture. Um, you know, what does this mean for Northwestern for this season, uh, for the kind of the national image of, of Northwest? I mean, 
you look at ESPN.com and you there's the headline, you know, Alabama number one, Northwestern makes a massive move up to number eleven. So you know, what what is what does this mean, you know, for for the Cats this season? Now all of a sudden we're two games clear in the in the division of anyone who's got a chance of catching us with three games left. You know, don't don't book your plane tickets for Indy just yet, but start scouting for reservations. Right. I think, you know, it's the um I mean in the in the short term, there's kind of a, a funny story where I again Let's just put it this way. This guy who's, again, Ore Adai. I I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, Hopefully we'll have a, a chance to figure out how he pronounces it. Right. A, a cornerback from Texas, right? Who, the easiest way is just, just to say the facts of the situation, which is <laughs> the facts are this. Um, he is holding, he is currently committed to Boise State. Northwestern out of the blue offered him recently, which was kind of an eye raising thing. And then a coach on his team tweeted something to the effect of, I, again, I don't want to paraphrase too much cause I don't have it in front of me, but something that strongly suggested that his choice to go to Northwestern had already been made. I believe it was we don't like, know that you're getting a good one. Yeah, Exactly. Um, and, um, so again, we, we don't know anything. We don't know anything any more than that. Um, I don't think even Louis Vacare probably doesn't know anything more than that. Um, but imagine you're that kid. Okay. And imagine for a second, hypothetically that he does plan on, right? This is a kid who, um, you can look at his offer. I mean, he's got a bunch of different offers, but he's got Rice and Princeton. So clearly this is a smart kid who's got the grades as well as the football ability, right? Um, and, and then a mix of schools, but then Boise State. And Boise State, you know, Mountain West, but they are Boise. We all know what Boise is, right? And then within the span of like a week, he gets an offer from a team who subsequently becomes one of the best teams in the country. And now suddenly he's holding an offer from a team that right now, you know, you'd want to go to as well as much as just about anybody. And I think that's kind of the short term thing where suddenly a kid like him has got to be like, oh, my God, like I can go be a part of that secondary. Um, so there's that. And then long term, you know, I mean, the waves are going to come down the road. It's that 2022 class. Right. And starting from then on. Um, but I think. One of the things that we were all frankly shocked by, I mean, let me say me, I don't want to throw you guys into this too, is um, if you looked at all, and we talked about this, you know, in the off season, but if you look at all corollaries and all parallels to how Northwestern has recruited following a really down season, this past recruiting class smashed that with a sledgehammer. Um and showed that the culture of this team and the perception of this team um, has built up a foundation that I think even we were not really aware of. And then you sh- you saw all of these recruits who were like, no, no, that was just a down season. Like they just had rough quarterback play. They're going to turn it around again because it's Northwestern. So where do we jump from that? 
given where we are right now. I think, you know, the it's it's another leap for the brand. I'll jump somewhere. And that's that ESPN Analytics tweeted earlier today. If the season ended today, all-state playoff predictor, Northwestern chalks in at fifth at 51% chance of going to the playoff. Right. What? So it's like, right. What? So the thing is, you have, like, how do you even, how do you even deal with that? I mean, like, we are the team, right, who sells a high-level Big Ten experience um, while you get an education that prepares yourself for the rest of your life. Um, and you know, it's, it's funny if you look at, at Twitter, just to throw out a random example, we were talking earlier about, um, Rod Hurd and the fact that this is not hyperbole. Rod Hurd would be starting at Michigan right now at cornerback if he'd gone to Michigan because they absolutely would have turned to him to be like, well, maybe you can help us out of this mess. <laughs> Maybe you can um, play this position. Yeah. Can can you play it? Because we don't have someone who can right now. Um, and But he chose to go to Northwestern. Um, and right now, the depth chart is stacked. Now, Rod played against Wisconsin and made meaningful, important contributions in this game. But we got response from Rod Hurd's family who was like, and we've heard this before with Northwestern, it's a business decision. And be like, yeah, it's a business decision. Because... He could have gone to Michigan, but he can come to Northwestern and play really high-level football and also get a phenomenal education that prepares him for the rest of his life. Well, now you have that and talk of a playoff? Like, do you see that? That was my little that was my little playoff. But now you you're folding actually a chance to go to the playoff into that. And you know, I mean, like, it's it's so crazy just because like that's the thing all the other schools are desperately trying to sell to recruits that we have just been able to not work around, but just be like, look, you'll come and play high level football and you will compete for championships. And we are, you know, a big 10 West champion and we do go to bowl games and we do win big time bowl games. Um, But we're offering all of this else too. So, right. I mean, the potential of suddenly, at least at this moment, at this moment in time, having all of that combined into one thing. Like, we're going to find out what kind of tornado this is going to be for recruiting. Well, let's, I mean, let's maybe start with a smaller a smaller benchmark than the playoff, and that's the West, where we are now in line, favored to win the West for the second time in three years. Um, it ain't going to be close, folks. Like, like we, we won it in 2018 by multiple games. We're going to win it by multiple games this year. Um, even if we were to drop one of these, one of these final three that, that, uh, we're going to be favored in all of them big, big. like, right. but we're 11 point favorites against Michigan state for this coming Saturday and on the they, road, on the road, they present some problems, but at the same time, like Northwestern is going to be favored probably by seven or more, um, against Minnesota and then by double digits against, against Illinois. So I like the, the, we're probably going to win the West. It will be the second time in three years of us doing that. Wisconsin has lorded over this division since it, you know, came into being. Um, I think one of my favorite stats from, from this past week is that Wisconsin has lost a combined three road games against other West opponents and lost like five to us since, right. since the divisions were formed or something like that. Also, I don't know that I also, quite got that accurate, but, but so the, many. Yeah. Well, I, the bigger point is like this nonsense of Northwestern in the bottom three predictions. Like 
I'm sorry, folks. If you're predicting that, unless you have insider info, that's a stupid prediction because Northwestern has demonstrated now for multiple years that we are going to end up in the top three in this in this division. And that doesn't mean that, you know, 2019s can't happen. I'm not saying that. But to think that a 2019 begets, oh, same old Northwestern here, dark ages all over again. Like, it's just it's just garbage and it's lazy. You know, and- I, I think back to you know the team that we're playing next, Michigan State. They went to the playoff, right? The first year of the playoff, right? Yep. And like the next year, they went three and nine or something like that. They had a brutal year, like the next year, and then we're right back in it. And nobody thought, oh, well, Michigan State's done. They're terrible. They're going to be awful from here on out. Yeah, nobody better than I. They were like, oh, it's a blip. It happens. That sucks. And And we'll we'll get back next year. Right. And we knew, too, that the. The last three Northwestern recruiting classes have been epic. And we've just known that we were talking like, well, look, boy, the quarterback was just such a mess last year and, and McCall and he's finally gone. But we're like, all we know is like, if you look at all the red shirt freshmen and true freshmen on this team and the soft, it's like, it's this massive amount of talent. All of these guys, a ton of whom, you know, we've barely even kicked the tires on like a Bryce Kurtz. That's just one random example. And we are loaded with these guys. So many guys who have barely seen the field. Well, you, um, you don't even need to be deep in the weeds like us and Louis Vicaire and, and, and Jay Sharman at like the post. Like, like you don't even need to be deep in the weeds to understand that Northwestern has built a gargantuan facility. It is attracting recruits. Um, we are addressing the issues that have been issues for Northwestern for years. And the recruiting has, has, has been better, bar none. But outside of all of that, Northwestern had a historically horrific offense in 2019. The defense, top 15, brought back just about everybody. And we said it in our preview pod in August. All we needed from this team to do was to improve to average level of offense in college football in 2020, and they were going to be really damn good. And guess what, folks? That's exactly where we are. Right. Also, you know, what, what other, one other stat I want, I want to throw out there, um, also from ESPN, you look at the 2020 strength of record, and this is a stat that, that ESPN says that it's the chance of an average top 25 team achieving the winner loss record or better based on the schedule that we played. Northwestern is number one with a strength of record, 5-0 and against Wisconsin, Iowa, Purdue, Maryland, who's all of a sudden really, really good, and Nebraska, who's, who's dog shit, but... The, an average, an average top twenty-five team, according to ESPN stats, would have a nine percent chance of being five and zero with our schedule. That's nuts. it was. It's nuts. The fun, <laughs> the funniest thing about that to me is seeing the reactions of the Northwestern defensive players to that stat. Greg Newsom, in particular, had a tweet which was just Stanley from the office falling asleep listening to it because to the to the to the northwestern defense they're like i mean like don't throw out these stats they're like no one can score on us so like why wouldn't we win all of these games and it's like yeah you're not wrong like i I don't (laughs) i don't quibble with any particular point here um i know we're you know we're finally about to to make our pivot to michigan state and i feel bad i just want to mention one thing that didn't manage to get talked about earlier and i i just want to bring it up is the special teams um and I'm not bringing them up because they were good. Um, I'm bringing them up because they worked it out. 
Charlie Kubander and Derek Adams worked it out. Um, they both had real difficulties um, that they then that kind of compounded the pressure on them to perform later in the game, and they did. And that's really hard to do. Um, in the case of Charlie, right, he really missed that field goal early on in the game. In a, in a situation where, as it was proven later in the game, anything, any kind of lead in this game was worth just gold, right? Um, and he really missed that field goal early on. And then later on, with everything riding on it, he had to come out and kick that 32-yard field goal. And yeah, that's a short field goal, but let's be honest. I mean, like, that could have been 30, it could have been 45, you know, the distance doesn't matter. That was all about the pressure of the kick. And he made it. And we were going bananas when he made it. Um, and it was huge. And then Adams, who had a really rough night, especially the first half of the night, punting the ball in a game where we really needed him to not have a rough night because he had to punt the ball 10 times. Um, but it all came to the head, right? Where he was punting from like, what, the one or the two yard line? I mean, where we were like, oh my gosh, I tweeted out, I was like, you know, I'm thinking, look, based on the way these punts have gone so far, um, we ought to just take a safety here because realistically, Wisconsin starting this drive at, you know, at our 40 or closer, right? Because he could shank this or they're going to, or he's going to kick a line drive. They'll get some. And he uncorked a rocket that crossed the 50 and then somebody, and I should know who it was and I'm forgetting who it was. Um, made the tackle almost immediately. And it was a massive special teams play. And for Adams, given how his night had been going, to to figure that out and uncork that punt um, and, in effect, flip the field back was so – it was so huge. Wasn't that A.J. So Hampton? Yeah, uh, yeah, I think it was. It was Hampton. And just, again, to deal with those difficulties in a pressure game like this and then find it when they needed to find it. You know, kudos to those two guys. Um, uh, they finished and they, they performed when they had to. So should we talk about uh, this weekend's game against Michigan State? Let's go. Let's effing Let's go. Do it. I so, can't wait to see this team play again. I can't believe I have to wait another six days. I know. It, it's nuts. What else is nuts is this is now going to be, what, the third game this year that we're going to get someone coming off a bye? Ugh. I mean, I, it, like, I I don't know. I, I, obviously, you know, we... It ain't broke. It, right, sure. Um, and, you know, I, I'm sure Michigan State would have want, rather played Maryland last week, too. So it's not like they wanted to have this bye. But, you know, no one wants to have a bye in the Big Ten this year because there are no buys. Um, and just it happens to be the, the, way, the way things have fallen. Uh, teams after they play us seem to be doing pretty well, you know, Purdue last week, notwithstanding. Um, but you know, this Michigan state team offensive pass interference, notwithstanding fair, fair. And we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that in a little bit, but, uh, you know, this Michigan state team, yeah, they, they beat Michigan, but you know, so we go, anyone should we go Michigan? Almost. Should we go bad? Should we go bad news? Good news. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, so here's the bad news. And when I say bad news, I don't mean horrible news. I just mean, let's start with, with the roughest thing. Okay. Um, this is a very good defense. Um, they are not 
an unbelievable defense. They are not in the Iowa class. They are certainly not in the Wisconsin class. But they are good. Solidly good. With real impact players. Um, And one important thing to remember about this team is... So this is the number seven total defense in the Big Ten right now. Um, And you might be saying, well, seven, you know, that seems, you know, slightly glass half full, but not good. Yeah, but... Remember us last year? What's it like to play defense when, not to put the cart before the horse, but uh, we'll get there. The offense is backing a truck over you every game. Well, that's what's happening to Michigan State right now. And, I mean, one of the ways you can see it is in the giant schism between their total defense and their scoring defense. But, um, because of turnovers, basically. But, um, Michigan State A... They're the number seven scoring defense in the country, and honestly, they're probably a little bit better than that. I don't know if they're quite a top five defense in the country, but uh, in the conference, but they're nipping around that. Um, and really, if you look at why they, you know, why they are, it's all the reasons that we talked about in the summer. Um, this team was turning over a lot and having to deal with a lot. And yes, D'Antonio's not there, but still, don't discount all of that culture that has built up. And one of the easiest way to juxtapose it is you can kind of go through a lot of places here and be like, well, you know, Michigan State's kind of stacking up players a lot of the same ways Nebraska is at similar positions. Yeah, that's that's the exact point. That's where you see culture because Nebraska ain't doing nothing with their defense right now. And Michigan State is, is good. They are solidly good. They have Antoine Simmons and Noah Harvey at linebacker. Um, Noah Harvey is fine. Antoine Simmons is excellent. This is a phenomenally athletic linebacker who gets all over the place. They have Xavier Henderson at safety. He's a freight train. He is everything Michigan State always advertises at strong safety. He's massive. Okay. Um, They are solid in the secondary. They had a lot of turnover there, but they have a junior cornerback, Shakur Brown, who's playing very well right now. Okay, and they have, just as Nebraska did, one great defensive lineman. That is the younger Panasuk, Jacob, who is, you know, Mike's younger brother, and he's taking over now on the defensive line, and he is a great defensive end in that big, beefy Michigan State role. Um, I think the important thing to know here, though, is Michigan State has never been a good pass rushing team. Um, When they had Kenny Willocks, They were because he was so good, and that was a bonus, and that's why that defense was phenomenal. He's gone. They don't have anyone else. They, um, If there's kind of a major silver lining with this team, um, it is that they are weakest in the trenches. They have Panasuk. They don't have a lot else on the defensive line right now. Their back seven really is very good. Um, This defense uh, is nothing to shake a stick at, but... With that said, they are worse in the trenches by a good degree than Wisconsin and Iowa. The defense overall is worse than Wisconsin and Iowa. They are definitely the third best defense we will see this year. Um, They are nothing, again, nothing to shake a stick at. But again, our offensive line is better than their defensive line. So you've got a great place to start. You also have a coordinator in coach Bajakian who has shown that he can really deal with this and work these things out. Um, 
And again, for all of this, a lot of it is, is on the offense, but Michigan State's numbers are good, not great. They could be better. They do have, let's say, five very good defensive players on this defense um, and, and what's left of that great culture. Um, but we can control the line of scrimmage against this team. We will have time to throw the ball, and that should make a lot of things go. But the bigger thing, and I'm going to pivot to Scuzz here, is that opposite this defense on this team is an offense that is so friggin' bad, I don't really know where to begin. I was going to say, like, where they don't have five good players is on <laughs> yeah. offense. Yeah. Um. So I mean they've 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 really struggled uh, the Michigan game notwithstanding I guess they put up points on on Rutgers too um, I don't know uh, like <laughs> yeah okay the, you know the, the 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 read I had coming into this season was that they should be a lot better on O line because they had a lot more experience um, that their quarterback situation was a giant question mark because Rocky Lombardi just has not looked good in his career that has continued into the season he has in four games I think he's already thrown. Um, like seven picks. Um, it's 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 not great. Uh, yeah, seven picks in in four games. Um, they're. I don't think that they have the types of of receivers. Now, granted, their coaching staff has changed over, but they just they don't have those Michigan State receivers that you remember from years past, right? The the um, the the Felton Davis and uh, the Chad White and and the. Charlie Rogers. That's going many years back, but like Plexico Michi- Burris, even further back. Yes, exactly. Like like generally, Michigan State is attacked with big physical wideouts, and they just don't have those guys right now. Um, now that being said, they're changing they're changing schemes on offense. And that might be part part of the problem. What's interesting, looking at their at their old what, what do they call what do they call the new scheme? <laughs> <laughs> well, shifting from a very pro style to much more of like a college, you know. Uh, I don't know that I'd go as far to say this spread style, but um, a, a more um, a, a less rigorous, you know, pro style QB under center type type situation. So, I mean, let's start with the QBs because this is where we're probably going to see a change on Saturday. Rocky Lombardi got pulled um, seven passes into the Indiana game two weeks ago. Peyton Thorne was inserted and not removed. He went ten of twenty. He only threw for 110 yards. He threw one pick. He got sacked three times. He was not great. Now, you all saw this past weekend that IU defense is um, its not on par with Northwestern, but it can hold its own. It can certainly generate turnovers. And, you know, Thorne was okay against them. He is a true freshman who has played one game of college football now. Uh, he, he threw one pass against Iowa in the waning moments of that blowout. Um, like against our defense, it's, it's an, it, it's another in this line of inexperienced quarterbacks that Northwestern gets to play. If Lombardi plays, um, yes, he is capable of, of putting up some yards and some points, but, um, you know, 50% completion is about where he has landed, uh, throughout his career. It's, it, he's at 57% this year, I guess, like he's, he's, He's a he's an interception machine. My God, our 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 defensive backs are going to go crazy. The O line, which was supposed to be um, the strength of their of their team this year, they're missing center Matt Matt Allen, who's who's missed uh, the last three games. You know, having two weeks off, we might see him come back 
this game that would be that would be you know a letdown for us but but even then you know this o-line we're talking about there in the 120s in terms of all the advanced rushing stats um, they gave up four sacks to indiana it's funny i found i found an article from uh, spartanavenue.com talking about their o-line in between the iowa and the indiana games and basically saying like they've got half of it right they're doing okay on passing downs and then they gave up four sacks and like their sack rate plummeted um which is which is kind of amusing <laughs> Um, but they're, they're missing in a, in addition to, uh, their center, their, their left guard has been injured again. We, we might see these guys come back. I don't, I don't know that it matters. Like our defense is so good. Um, this, oh, it's this team just, it is, it's, it's a total mismatch on this side oh, of the I'm, ball. I mean, it's, it, it really is kind of stunning because I know a lot of you are thinking, uh, is this going to be like a, a Nebraska? Is this going to be like another, you know? another slog and it's like i mean maybe you can look at the iowa game for example and be like okay well iowa thrashed them and then you're immediately going to look and be like well iowa had four rushing touchdowns in that game if you dig deeper you'll see that iowa had a 71 yard touchdown run and if you take that 71 yard touchdown run out iowa as a team was less than four yards a carry against michigan state michigan state doesn't suck on defense so on that part you're kind of like well on the flip side Stats tell you, I'm not being hyperbolic here, the most likely statistical scenario is Michigan State does not score in this game. That sounds stupid, and a lot of you are like, knock wood while you say that. They didn't score against Indiana. They scored against Iowa when it was 35-0. Those are the two top half defenses they've played in the conference. The other two are... They averaged two yards per carry against Iowa. Yeah, they're, this they're not going to be able to run against us. And I just talked about how their their quarterbacks right. are really they're, inexperienced and or bad. The, well, it's funny. This is one of the five. I was actually looking at this because Michigan State is one of the five worst rushing teams in the country. And Purdue is one of the other worst rushing teams in the country. I mean, yards per game. But you obviously know, because we've talked about Purdue already on this pod, that that's a misnomer, right? Because A, Purdue wants to throw way more than they want to run. But when they run, one guy gets all of the carries. That's Xander Horvath, right? And his numbers have actually been half decent this year, right? Michigan State actually wants to run the ball. They have a back with 42 carries on the season, another with 28, another with 19. They have three backs they're trying to feed the ball to. And those guys are all about three yards a carry. Um, And the team as a whole is 2.2. Like, against half-competent defenses this season. They throw for less than 50% completions, and they run for less than three yards a carry. What do you want to do with that? Like, against our defense, they haven't faced a defense remotely as good as... Well, that's not true. Iowa. Uh, Iowa is is a less good version of us. An excellent defense, if not quite as good as Northwestern. Iowa eviscerated this team defensively. It was a slaughter. So, I mean, can we, I mean, is their defense good? Can we get 21 points against this defense? Easily. Is that going to be more than enough? Almost certainly. Um, And so again, right. I mean, it's like, if you look at Michigan State circles, it's all this like two weeks off. Like, who's the quarterback going to be just like Scuzz said? And it's like, I mean, Thorne's less than 50% completion on the year. And if it ain't him, it's the guy who's been a turnover farm this year, Lombardi. So, uh, again, it's like, yes, 
You want to guard against this game getting so dragged down into the mud that we're doing absolutely nothing on offense. But again, this is a good defense. It is very good. It is not a great defense, and yards can be had. We are going to be able to do a lot of dynamic things in this game that we were not able to do against Wisconsin. It's not that level of defense. Um, and what we can do is is going to be more than enough here. Again, it's like there's there's no unit of the last three teams we play, the single most unit to be respected of any unit. Well, that's not exactly true. I shouldn't say that. Um, I, 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 I won't. I want to disrespect Minnesota's offense, but you know, arguably is Michigan State's defense. Um, but with that said, I, I mean, I think they don't score points. So here's the here's the conundrum. Northwestern just beat a top ten team at home, and is going on the road. Historically, right. that is a difficult spot to be in. It is, it is hard not to let down after the emotions of a game like the game this past Saturday. Now, Pat Fitzgerald will tell you, you know, six ways till Sunday. Like, if you can't get up for eight Big Ten games a year, like, what like what are you doing, right? But we have seen this team come out flat in the past. We've seen them recover from that. We've, we've, we've seen that result in a first half of, like, hair pulling, and then, you know, everything is... is, is hunky dory in the end but um i fully believe the only way northwestern doesn't win this game against michigan state on saturday is if if we come out flat and unmotivated and make mistakes um i will also say there's probably going to be a lot of sharp money on michigan state plus 11 points for this exact reason <laughs> um especially if that line gets bet up anymore during during the week but um i just like that's that's the fear, and and whether or not Fitz can spin this Reese Davis, uh, Joey Galloway thing for further forward into next weekend, or if there's enough you know um, pent up um, sentiment toward other Big Ten teams. I mean, I I see no problems when we play Minnesota and Illinois. There's 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 plenty of additional motivation there. Uh, Michigan State being the cross conference or you know the other division rival, whatever. I, I, I don't know, right? I'm not in the locker room. I, I would like to think that this will not be a problem. I just want to call it out because, like, folks, gird yourselves. We've yeah, all I, been there I, before. Right. Another concern, and, another concern, you know, you have is you're hoping that, you know, these guys aren't reading the papers, aren't hearing everyone just now talk so effusely about them after, you know, bad-mouthing them, you know, calling them there, a bunch of There was a lot of... There was a lot of like we need our respect, and now Northwestern's ranked number eleven, which is the highest ranking this team has had since two thousand. Um, it's the highest ranking in the Fitz era. It's like the highest of a lot of things. And yeah, you're spot on, Sam. Here's here's the one counterpoint to all this. We are effing eleventh in the country right now, and this is the best defense in the country. Is and is Miami is better it, than us though? I was looking at is that. It, Miami's oh, a no. ten. Oh, are we still uh, no, underranked? Uh, my point is, Yo, we, yeah, yes, yes, we are still underranked. I like, I don't know who the like I'm th- that best defense in the country thing. I think I agree, but I like I haven't I haven't I haven't pressure tested that to think about like who I think might be better. I, I don't know. This so this is all this is all a way of saying though. Like my my point is this: we may thrash Michigan State yeah that is absolutely on the table okay um we haven't seen a thrashing since Maryland 
if you're looking for a list of most likely scenarios, that's on there. This team could bring Michigan State behind the woodshed. Um, there is, it is not a hard argument to make in any stretch of the imagination. I respect this defense very much. Um, this defense has been dunked in a tank by its offense several times this year. Um, and against defenses not as good as our defense. And um, the idea that we, again, the 11th could be ranked higher. So by, by what you guys are saying, the 11th and still hungry team in the country um, could thrash this team. And again, we are the kings of, you know, trying to, to walk things back and guard what we're saying, etc. But like, this is the team we have. This team is absolutely for real, and Michigan State is not, and that may play out. I just looked at the weather forecast for East Lansing for this upcoming Saturday. Yes, we're recording this on Sunday night, so it's still plenty of time for this to change. But as of right now, uh, high of 48, winds of 7 miles an hour, only 10% chance of precipitation. Going to get down to 34 at night, so it's... Looks like a gorgeous, gorgeous evening, afternoon evening for uh, for a game. It's a two thirty, two thirty central kick on ESPN two. Not to not not that he needs it. I'm not saying he needs it, but do do for for Peyton. Do we have Clayton Thorson on a retainer to just come in and, and give a Michigan State seminar to <laughs> for the week? Hey, what was oh. the, I mean? How I mean? How many yards? Over a thousand yards in his career against Michigan yeah. State, Clayton. So let's harness some of that energy. If we get that offense in this game, we're gonna pile drive this team. So, so per S and P plus, number one defense is still Wisconsin, followed at number two by Iowa, followed at number three by Northwestern. I I have seen with my own eyes why those rankings are not correct. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Best exactly. defense of the nation. Book it, folks. Should we uh, quickly just run through what else happened in the Big Ten this past week and what uh, is going to come up? I, I don't want to go game by game through the Big Ten, but we did make mention of there's the, one game. There's one game that we, yeah. we must discuss: the brutal, not or the pass inter- offensive pass interference call up in Minneapolis that uh, Purdue threw the game winning touchdown that was called back on a phantom offensive pass interference. I, I wasn't even going to talk about that one, but yes. <laughs> total the, uh, total nonsense. The Northwestern bump. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is so funny because that actually, I mean, that helps us. Um, Purdue taking that loss was, it's it's a big, you know, it's it's a benefit to us. Um, now, again, our guys would all say, look, we ain't losing a game in conference, so it doesn't matter one way or another. But yeah, that was a brutal call. <laughs> uh, what was the game you wanted to talk about? Ohio State-Indiana? Uh, Illinois, Illinois, Nebraska. In the, well, oh, well, Illinois, okay, Nebraska. We'll, we'll get the there, but fun. We'll, we'll get there. Um, <laughs> yeah, Ohio's, Ohio, Ohio State, State Indiana, Indiana. Yeah, just Woo. because Woo. I think. Yeah, I think a, a couple of things. One, um, first of all, Indiana is just a great football team. This was their best game of the year. They knew it. Tom Allen made that clear in the locker room after the game when he gave a hell of a speech. Um, the Indiana team that rock that came out in this game would have annihilated Penn State, which makes it even more hysterical in hindsight that, that you know, they, it took a miracle for them to win that game. Um, but I think they, they know who they are right now. And Ohio State, 
it's you kind of feel right now like they're functionally like one of those classic early Urban Meyer Ohio State teams when it was like they're um, so loaded with talent and yet kind of like sleepwalking and playing mistake prone football and they've got a couple problems right now. Their secondary is a mess. Um, I do not want to hear all this BS. Sean Wade had one pick six and then they feeded that guy like he wasn't a mess the rest of the game. Um, and that is classic old school Ohio State cornerback plays. Like, here's my pick six. Oh, I just gave up two long bombs the two plays after that. Um, that's what they are on defense right now. And his, offensively. His pick six has nothing Nothing yeah. on Greg Newsom's toe tapping catch oh, at the yeah. sideline. Oh, like it was like, like Ramsey yeah, well, just Penix, uh, the Penix threw it to him. He threw yeah, it to Penix him. Just, Penix just fed it to him. And I mean, like the Ohio State's coverage in the second half. And it, I mean, Ohio State was up 35 7. And for literally the rest of the game, Ohio State could not stop Indiana's offense in any way, shape, or form. Um, it, it was a total disaster. And then on the flip side, Justin Fields, so two things, right? On one hand, um, like, Ohio State loses this game if they don't have Justin Fields because Indiana's D.C. schemed the crap out of this game, and Ohio State's offensive line was a tire fire. I was like, what is going on? Uh, Yes, but... um... One of the one of the things people have been saying about Ohio State all year is that their running game looks like it's diminished, well, and Master Teague oh, showed well, up Teague and ripped hit, off 170 yards right. on 26 and I think carries. But I think that's the thing too, right? Where it's like it's not like the talent ain't there, right? Like, are there is their offensive line like are those guys capable of delivering blows? Yeah, and Teague hits like a freight train, right? So ultimately, they were able to run downhill. But you're talking about blitz pickups and things like that. They're just missing assignments. And on all of those plays, Fields saved their bacon by avoiding who knows how many sacks when he wasn't throwing horrific interceptions. Um, He threw a couple of picks where, I mean, you didn't have to wait. The moment it left its hand, you were like, oh my God, what are you doing? Um, And, you know, not exactly putting this one in the NFL highlight tape, but... It's it's kind of one of those things where it's like, I mean, I'll take this Ohio State team in a hypothetical Big Ten championship game. Um, you know, and it's it, but it's one of those things. You know they're just stacked with talent, but they have this way of just falling asleep. And this was their first test by far of the season, and they really almost failed. They just about blew their shot at the playoff here. Um, and, you know, so... It's certainly that's, one that's of those... okay. We can, we can blow their shot at the playoff later in this season. Yeah, we can take care of it later. Amen, now, amen, one, brother. One thing that's pretty interesting about Indiana, they've really struggled to run the ball effectively this year. Um, Stevie Scott was was you know seen as as dynamo that was coming back this season, and and that you know yada yada yada. But they're breaking in two new players at guard, um, both guard positions, and they've really struggled to run the ball. Ne- like they, like negative one total rushing yards against Ohio State. And they didn't they didn't rush well against Michigan State either. Like like Indiana's Indiana's kind of a one dimensional team, which is why they threw fifty one times um, for almost five hundred yards. So I, like I guess I say this in part because I don't want not that we not that we would play Ohio State and run the ball a ton, but um, like like 
don't look at Indiana and just plug Northwestern in there and, and, and think either a, we can upset Ohio state in this type of, of, a of a, um, of a, of a track meet, nor that we would play the same kind of style or, or, or a game plan as Indiana at all. Right. And Hey, early on, early on, we talked a little about a certain defensive coordinator who's good at making adjustments throughout a game. Uh, Ohio <laughs> state raced to 35 points and then forgot how to score halfway through the yeah. third quarter of this game. Yeah. Um, and you know, so bears mentioning, um, so Illinois, Nebraska. <laughs> let's let's go. Let's All go. Right. I'm ready. I'm ready. Do, do you want Do you want to start with Illinois tweet? The Illinois athletic department's tweet at the end of the game that was taken down, or should we Should we finish with that? Let's finish with that. Okay. I want to I want to start with the fact that Illinois scored touchdowns on their first three possessions. Um, granted, one of those possessions was um was only 21 yards because on the on the very first play of the game Luke McCaffrey fumbled the ball. I thought he was not Adrian Martinez. <laughs> turns out uh, you were wrong. Hey, well, t- uh, well, turn, well turns out Nebraska's offense is basically playing Madden 21 with Lamar Jackson and just trying to run quarterback sneak on every play or just like shotgun. Like that's literally their offense. It's like playing a middle school kid in Madden 21, who just wants, well, I'm going to take the team with the fastest quarterback and I'm going to run like shotgun Hail Mary and then try to run with the quarterback on every play. I am not exaggerating. That's Nebraska's offense. Scuzz texted us, you know, texted us during the game. It's like their offense is literally just McCaffrey running on every play. Yeah. Yep. That's it. Yeah. That's all they have. And he, that he oh. ran the ball 26 times. He threw the ball only 26 times. What? I mean, they have, I, I, they have, like Wandale Robinson is supposed to be this, you know, awesome, awesome running back. Like, use him, please. It this is, dude is fast as hell. It's stupid and it's mean because we tweeted this out before. They beat the brakes off of poor Martinez and then threw him to the Wolves and were like, well, you know, he doesn't make the good decisions, etc. Yeah, poor Luke McCaffrey. He took a couple hits in this game. Where I was like, "Oh my God, get up! Please get up!" Yeah, but um, did you ever see his dad play? I mean, Ed was t- Ed took hits yeah, like that all the yeah, time and yeah, kept yeah, popping yeah. up. Hey, Classic, true, true. In that high altitude, Sammy. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, it's but there and then and then on the flip side, I mean, Brandon Peters, who completed eight passes against Wisconsin, um, you know, moving the ball up and down the field for Illinois. Um, Mike Epstein breaking off a sixty-yard run. Um, Illinois had first half drives of so the first their first touchdown was 21 yards but then they had touchdown drives of nine plays 75 yards seven plays 65 yards four plays 89 yards that's when when uh, uh, their running back ripped off that that 60 yarder which was which did not go into the end zone they still had to convert it from inside the the 15 I think Um, got another 75 yard touchdown uh, drive 10 plays in the third quarter like like we 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 joked about it during the course of this game, which was which was greatly enjoyable to me. Like Nebraska defense, what would you say you do here? You can't just hand out black shirts and expect things to change, folks. Right. Well, there and and just so you know, like not to sound like we're heaping plaudits on Illinois, there are only three teams in the conference that are bad on offense and defense, and they're Rutgers, Nebraska, and Illinois. 
Um, and so it's like, I mean, and I mean, even Michigan for all their warts can run the ball and, and, you know, has some offensive things going. Um, there are only three teams that are bad in both categories and it's those three teams. And we talked coming into the season. I don't know, season. man, that's, that's awfully generous when it comes to the Michigan Wolverines oh, uh, oh, right now. It's, but... What's sad? No, what is totally sad is. Next in line is for sure Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> um, but even like Penn State plays great defense uh, for all, you know, they're 0-5, but they have good D. Their offense is just a disaster. Um, but this is all a way of saying it's like we talked before the season that in the West, everyone else other than us wouldn't shut up once again for like the fifth or sixth friggin' season in a row about Nebraska turning the corner with zero evidence to support that whatsoever. And we were like, no, Illinois, Nebraska will probably decide the seller. Well, that game happened and it wasn't close. We know who's in the seller right now. It's Nebraska. Um, they're the worst team in the West uh, and it's not close. Kind of glorious. Yep. And then, and then the Illinois AD tweeted out like, "Hey Nebraska, good game. Thanks, thanks for, for bringing Big the... Ten football going again." <laughs> Since deleted, but oh my god, that was unbelievable. Oh, stick by your guns, man. I don't like. They they, I, I they get... took some shit for it. They they took yeah, some shit, yeah. but it was that was still beautiful. That was just gorgeous, and, and rightly so. If you're if you're gonna shit on Nebraska and their and their their AD for not like engaging the conference in like the right kind of conversations before you go and schedule a non-conference game counter to what you all agreed upon, for example, then you probably should also ask the Illinois AD to be a little more circumspect. Uh, Iowa 41, Penn State 21. Penn State's just this terrible. They're, they're kind of quit, all talked they? To, they completely we all, quit. We all talked about that one going to the game because what was the line on that one? It was something just stupid. I remember it's talking with our friends at Winning Cures Everything at how low the line it was, was even it was even a kickoff even we, a kickoff and we were like and we were me? like have people not been watching these games it's like i was gonna plow this team and that's exactly what happened and again it's like uh i mean penn state's offense is just is so bad um and they don't have the personnel they don't know what they're doing out there um and iowa can do it it's i find it hilarious that we were all so excited when penn state was taken off our schedule and replaced with maryland uh and now i'm like that was an even bigger win because maryland that maryland win looks good on our resume right now whereas penn state would be doing nothing for us so (laughs) it's pretty good but i mean yeah i mean and maryland and also i mean we were all talking the moment like it's not just the lopsided it's penn state quit in this game um they you know third quarter i mean by the fourth quarter they just gave up um it is wild looking at the talent that they have at receiver which of course starts with Jahan dotson but they've got a bunch of other like awesome guys there and they just they can't they can't get him the ball will levis uh i think started this game at qb um carried the ball 15 times and he only played half the game sean clifford came in for the for the end when they were trying to come back Um, did he really wow and i like Man, what a dis- what a disaster! Uh, and and granted, like Kirk Kirk Chiraka, I think is is gonna find success there. He just needs to find his his guy at QB and get him primed. I think these dudes just are, are overwhelmed by the playbook right now. It's um, ironic in 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 ironic's maybe not the right word, but it reminds me, of course, of a lot of the things we heard about last year about Northwestern's QB room. And I just like 
what a what a what a waste of um, a ludicrous amount of talent to be zero and five. Speaking of waste of a ludicrous oh, amount of talent, yeah. So Michigan Rutgers triple overtime. Oh boy! And, oh boy! And Michigan wins, but holy moly, this game. Let's let's also mention too that what was it in second or, or third second or third overtime? Uh, I forget which it was. Michigan was facing a third and 18 and got bailed out by a pass interference call. Um, and had that been an incomplete pass, that would have ended the game. Um, I think that was, the, and, that was the first overtime because. Yeah, it was, it was, well, there was the one where they both missed field that goals. Was, that was, I think the second overtime. Okay. So yeah. No, and, no, that was the first overtime. The second overtime yeah. Rutgers scored with the first play and then Michigan needed to that pass interference to extend the, the drive to, right. to tie. Yeah. So, but I mean, the, the, the bottom line and the only thing that really matters here is that Michigan is an absolute dumpster fire on defense. So, and, so, Oh, go ahead. Keep going. Keep going. So they had to replace I me. Mean, we talked during the summer that they had a huge repair job to do on this defense, but a couple seasons earlier, they had had another massive repair job to do and they had done it. Um, and I think, we kind of gave Harbaugh the respect of doing it, but I, I think there's this downward trend with this team right now. And I think it, it kind of all, it all just is kind of imploding right now for Michigan. And yes, they won this game, but they don't have a defense right now. Um, they have a quarterback that's, that's good against weaker defenses and they, they, they run the ball and hit hard with guys like Charbon. I mean, they don't run a creative offense at all. Um, but they Rutgers, they have the town. Rutgers did this with a even turnover margin. Michigan lost one fumble. Rutgers threw one pick. Yes, this was yards. Rutgers yeah. <laughs> had more than twice as many penalty yards and twice as many penalties as Michigan. Yep. And still, Rutgers Rutgers is an untalented, sloppy team. <laughs> My goodness, I like the one silver lining for Michigan is that Caden McNamara is the the QB that they went to mid game, and uh, he looked quite decent. Um, Sixty seven percent complete, five four touchdowns, no picks. Um, actually, I'm sorry, he was seventy five percent completion percentage in this game. Uh, was was throwing downfield, like looked a lot better than than Milton has looked, and. Um, I mean that was that was the difference, right? He he enabled them to come back in the second half from what was a, what what looked like to be a, a a total train wreck, and you know, like the defense it, that doesn't solve the defense, but it certainly could help put them in a better light, right? If 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 they're getting better field position, etc. Um, I don't think this saves their season, but it certainly. I, I don't know, gives them something to play for. Uh, maybe we'll see. They they play Penn State next, so they should be able to get right. I was, I was going to say let let's run through uh, the, the rest of this upcoming week's schedule, and then uh, we should get out of here. We're uh, running a little bit long. Um, Black shock, Friday, shock shock of shocks. I, yeah. I, I think I think anyone who's still listening this far, I I believe in y'all just a little bit more, and uh, we'll let you enjoy the rest of your day, um, or continue to enjoy the rest of your day, if you will. Nebraska Iowa on Black Friday. Um, oh boy, oh yeah. Boy. Uh, oh this this line opened up at uh, Iowa by twelve. Has since been bet up to fourteen and a half. That's My not goodness. high enough, I don't think. I I mean, 
I was, I mean, so here's the one thing you juxtapose because I was built like we're built, right? Um, they're not the perfect team to catch that greased pig that we talk about when we talk about Nebraska. On the other hand, Iowa can just throw all 11 players at McCaffrey because that's Nebraska's offense right now. Um, and I mean, Nebraska's going to own the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Um, not, not, not on defense. I mean, I was going to run rough shot over them. No, that's what I mean. I was going to own the line of scrimmage. Oh. That's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Um, sorry. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's, I, I, I doubt the, I doubt. Well, you said, what, what was the spread on this one? It's uh, 14 and a half right now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, again, I, you know, I, I don't know what the final score in this game is. I just know it's, it's not going to be competitive and Nebraska's taking another L. Uh, you got Ohio State at Illinois. Uh, dear God. 11 o'clock Central on FS1. Um, yeah. The, right, I would, the line I would on imagine, that right now, 28 and a half. Yeah, the, the talking to that Ryan Day is giving his, his players this week, Illinois is going to bear the brunt of yes, that. Yes, they I, are. I will be curious to see, you know, can, can Illinois score points in this game? If they, if they can and they put up some points... On the heels of of again a game against a granted atrocious atrocious Nebraska defense that will be cause to to take some notice. But again, remember the Nebraska game is the anomaly for Illinois this season. Wisconsin obliterated them, and they are bottom half of the league in offense and defense. So um, uh, yeah, I think we're looking at a regression to the mean here. Uh, also at eleven o'clock central, Maryland at Indiana. So at least, at mo- least, at least Indiana gets your to most, go home after that. This is your loss. most. This is your most fun game of the week, I would yeah. say, right here. Well, um, again, again, as Maryland has missed the last two games with COVID, so you know, hopefully they'll be able to to play this one. And, um, we, and we have no idea, like if they do play, who will or won't play, right? Like, right, right. I mean, their 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 team is clearly. Talia Tungavaloa right now. And like right. He, he I mean, that's the thing. They're, go. they're fun. But just so you know, I mean, lost in the fact that Maryland is 2-1. and one. As we said, Maryland's the worst defense in the conference by a good amount, a good margin right now. They're every bit as bad on defense as you were led to believe that they are. Um, so it's like there's nothing they can do to keep Indiana from absolutely piling up points in this game. I like I, They're not going to win, but it, right, to, to the point. Whether you know who who can play, what they can do, um, there's there's certainly potential for points in this one. In, Indiana's a fourteen and a half point favorite. Mm. Yeah, I, that, that seems, seems that like seem, a lot. It seems low. Are oh, you saying it seems like a lot? I think that seems like a lot facing an offense like Maryland. I mean, That's the thing. If it's if it's a shootout, right? But yeah. if if Michigan's getting if Indiana's getting the pressure, um, and, and is able to to get to Tagovailoa, um. Because Indiana is going to pile up points in this game, so yeah, yeah it, it's it, going to be. It's but Indiana is also emotionally like drained. True, and yeah, true. I, like I would, I, I four out of five times I would I would bet um, shootout in this kind of game. Yeah. Hey, this game is for second place in the East, <laughs> so it's kind of an important game. Uh, we got Penn State at Michigan. Oh boy! <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, oh, someone, boy, someone I, must, someone must win. It's amazing that this game means literally nothing. It, like, yeah. like the, it's literally meaningless. 
That's stunning. Yeah. I am curious. Is like is James Franklin bulletproof for O and eight? Is is that like? I mean, how they they like? I mean, again, well, they like, still have Rutgers and Michigan State, and right? I, like, so I mean, like odds are that they finish, two, they win two, yeah. and their defense is really good. Um, but man, I'm like, you don't just get to lose all the games. Like I'm like. I've, I'm certainly curious because it's, for all the talk about Harbaugh, we haven't heard as much about Franklin. If it was a normal year, and, and you know he lost his two running backs, um, COVID, everything, like I don't know, like lost they, Parsons, yeah, right, lost Parsons. I mean, they played Michigan, they played Ohio State tough. I, I like if they gotten dusted by fifty in that game, you know, maybe. But I think I think it's pretty easy to craft a narrative like, look, this is a batshit year, and. Where it was an emotional roller coaster, and look, we fell off the wagon, but we've got the talent, we've got the ponies, the recruiting is held up. Like we will be back, and we will be strong again next year. I think that's a very, frankly, fair take. Um, it is on Penn State, right? It's it's an amazing game of matchups. Penn State's offense is so bad, and Michigan's defense is so bad, <laughs> and Michigan's uh, and Penn State's defense is good, and Michigan's defense is good. I don't know what that means in the grand scheme of things. I mean, I think I would, I think I would take Michigan here. I don't know. I mean, again, it's just like their Penn that the Penn State offense and the Michigan defense are both so bad. It's hard to know kind of where to go there. I mean, who's the real Penn State? Is it is it what we saw against Indiana and Ohio State, or is it what we saw? against Iowa and I like like I you know I think we all thought that Penn State phoned in a, phoned it in a bit against against Iowa like like they're getting their they're just getting bludgeoned and I think you know kind of gave up you know seeing seeing that ugly yellow M um across the the line of scrimmage from you as a way of st- stimulating the the synapses right like like I, they're going to want to beat Michigan in ways that they didn't give two craps about Iowa. And that, that could make a difference. I mean, you could see, you could see a Penn state that operates more like what they frankly should be this year. And I don't know that Michigan is capable of operating in anything other than what they are, which is a total flaming mess. Uh, Michigan's a three and a half point favorite in this. Whew. Yeah. I feel like we honestly. I feel like we've talked about this game too much already. Yeah, totally. It's meaningless. Yeah, um, you've got at one o'clock central, Minnesota at Wisconsin. Question: Yeah, would you rather have what if I offered you Michigan beats Wis? I mean Minnesota beats Wisconsin here. Would you take that or would you not take it? I'm not saying it will happen. I'm not saying that in any stretch of the imagination. I think Wisconsin's going to pound Minnesota. You're saying I'm, that you're saying the trade-off is relative Wisconsin, safe, safety for Northwestern in that Wisconsin has a second loss, but then exactly. looking at the Gophers in two weeks and kind of saying like, "Ooh, what like what do we have here?" Exactly. Exactly. Um, I don't think that's going to be a problem. No, I yeah, yeah I, I, I was kidding. I think I'm I'm offering a hypothetical like right, like what if the moon crashed into the earth? Right, like I don't <laughs> like there. Yes, I, I I this feels like a yes revenge or yes 
an angry Wisconsin is looking for a pinata to take this out on, and I think it's it's going to be the Gophers. Uh, Twenty twenty one and a half point favorites. Wisconsin. Oh Lord have mercy! I so here's here's the thing, right? I mean, like Minnesota's we'll, defense is awful. <laughs> well, so here's the thing: we'll get to this a week from now, right? But Minnesota does one thing well, and Wisconsin can just take that thing away. Yeah. So. That and then it's kind of like okay, because Wisconsin's going to pile up points in this game. So yeah, this feels I, like a it feels like a beatdown. Even against Purdue, and I like I want to go here a little bit just because we will be playing the Gophers in two weeks. But even against Purdue, what you saw from Tanner Morgan was was a far cry from the past couple of years. I mean, this guy was so damn efficient. I like I went on a whole rant about how he wasn't Dwayne Haskins. And then last year he was Dwayne Haskins. And this year it's like an alien has invaded his body. He was, he was 15 of 22, like for, for, for 260 yards. Like that's, that's a pretty decent average. But again, like he, he was so inaccurate at times. Um, he's forcing the ball to, uh, to Bateman, he he was good at finding Chris Ottman Bell underneath in this game, who who racked up uh, 129 yards on five on five catches. But that's again against a, a Purdue secondary that's, you know, not not great. I just like Minnesota's offense is it, it could not be a far cry from what it was last year, and it's because of personnel, it's because of coaching, it's because of luck, and I just I don't. I don't see how they score effectively on Wisconsin. And now granted, like I didn't, I didn't think Northwestern was going to get the opportunity to put up four scores against Wisconsin. And we, and we, and we could have, right. But, um, but still. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, I think that that line's about right. And you have, again, that you're talking about a pissed off Wisconsin team. Yeah, here. And I this is a big time. Gonna... And this is a big time rivalry game for them. And yeah, they, gonna, they, they care. I mean, Wisconsin could yeah. be 0-5 and they would care immensely about this game. Right. Uh, finally on the docket, uh, Rutgers at Purdue. <laughs> Here's my hunch here. Purdue is not Michigan and you will see that in this game. <laughs> yes, sir. Home home game. Um, I think you know. Assuming he's still healthy, uh, like like you, it was so clear on Friday night. Purdue is desperate to get the ball into Rondell Moore's hands because he like he's a national name and people like him and they like watching him. And I'm not saying that they're doing it for the eyeballs. They're doing it because he's really goddamn good with the football in his hands. And he'll have another week of practice. You mentioned John. He looked a bit out of you know out of sorts last week. I don't think Rutgers has the faintest um, notion of, of stopping him. And if Purdue can be just like 10% more willing to, to, to make it look like they're going to more and then go to David Bell and Milton Wright, um, Purdue or Rutgers won't have a chance. It's worth, it's worth mentioning, right? That that screw job against Minnesota oh. was so huge because Purdue would be firmly in line for a second place finish in the West right now because they didn't they're not playing Wisconsin and they have one more win. Uh, they would have one more win and you know if Purdue and and now again they both still have to play Indiana so you know you'll see how that shakes out but right now Purdue should be three and one and they're only lost to the 11 number 11 team in the country so yeah they're gonna put it on Rutgers. The line opened at uh, Purdue by 13. And it currently sits at Purdue by eleven. I, I, 
don't know where, don't know where this Rutgers I, money coming from, but I, could, I don't know. So, so could someone send it my way? I'd, I'd appreciate that. Yeah. Anyway, that's, uh, that's the big 10 this upcoming weekend. Um, I, I think normally we would ch- kind of check in on what else is going on around the country, but uh, we're running who, a little bit who, long. Yeah. So. Who cares? Hey, Northwestern's hey, number yeah, 11. Exactly. We're going. Hey, it doesn't number matter. 11. I, yeah, I just, uh, you know, obviously for those of you still with us, I mean, this is, this is long, but this, this one deserved a long one. And I'm sure you're all, a lot of you still are, but I just want to close with one thing here. Um, and, and this is just personal for me, but um, at the end of this game, my, my wife was on the treadmill upstairs watching, and I think she was watching like a bootleg ABC feed or something. Cause she couldn't actually get it, but whatever it cut out with like a minute left in the game or something like that. And she came down uh, right after the game had ended and hadn't seen it. And like, oh, hey, can you tell me? And this is basically what happened. Um, she came in. Oh, hey, I didn't see the last minute. Can you come in? Oh, oh, because she saw me and she saw how I was looking on my knees on the floor uh, in front of the TV. And she was like, oh, and then she went into the other room and I heard her say, uh, to my five-year-old daughter, you should you should go look at your daddy right now. You should go see him right now. Um, and uh, I I hope all of you or a lot of you were in the same place that I was in that game. Um, I'm not going to say that I shed a tear, but I was pretty close. Um, this one meant a lot. It meant a lot for a lot of us who have been fans of this team for a long time. Um, and for you younger fans... Um, this is why we do this. It's these things. No one can ever take this away from you. No one can ever take a win like this away from you. They stay with you until you're 80, 90 years old. Um, you get them for life and and they'll carry you. And, you know, ask someone like Jay from Lake the Posts. Um, you know, you can remember these things like they're yesterday. And, you know, for you young people, um, we're glad that you have one now. But... For all of us, you know, we we feel you. We know what it means. Um, we hope that you feel it the way we feel it. And and you know, it's worth mentioning too. In a time where we're all just connected digitally, right, um, and not able to, to to sit in the field in in the stands at Ryan Field to experience this, um, and to be able to to, to connect to folks. Uh, in, in through that medium, it just means that much more. Like I got, I don't know, a whole bunch of text messages from people that, that I haven't talked to in a while. It's certainly people that were close to me as well, but you know, people say, wow, I just saw the cats one. That's, I mean, that like that sort of stuff comes out of the work woodwork when Northwestern wins a game against a top 10 opponent at three thirty Eastern in the afternoon. And it's, you know, presumptively for the division crown, like statement in a spotlight. We talked about it off the top. This was a big effing deal for so many reasons and, and, and elevates for, for those of us that are hardcore and live and breathe this, this stuff every day and all week long, you know, I don't think we realize the effect that this has on, on the casual fans and the folks that are two, three steps removed from us that see this and think of us or see this and view Northwestern in a different light and say, Oh wow. Like I, I, what, what happened to Northwestern? I thought, you know, like they're thinking about 2019 still in their head. And the more those narratives change, the better that is for this program, the recruiting, all the, all the ancillary stuff that goes around, goes on around that, that big purple end that we want to see predominantly featured um, as much as we possibly can in the college football world. 
Couldn't have said it any better myself. So uh, we'll go, just go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at westlawpirates. And email us, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. Look for us in the West Lot of Ryan Field playing the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Scasby, I'm Sam Walter. And, and Reese Davis. And Reese Davis. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.